Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of Kumo tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. rolling here and we are talking with my guy Alex Marvez. Alex, you were down in Gainesville during the Urban Meyer era. Do you think the guy's a liar like I do? Urban Meyer? What does his last name rhyme with? What? Huh? I mean, you know, and of course, listen, just trying to make sure, you know, by the way, I was living in South Florida. I wasn't in Gainesville at the time of Urban Meyer. Unfortunately, you know, I would have loved to have had a national championship run, you know, and of course you ask any Gator, would you have put up with all this if you knew that it would have embarrassed Urban, you know, if it would embarrass the university, uh, you know, having Urban Meyer as your head coach because of all the off-field stuff? And every Florida Gator fan would say they don't care. You know, the off day, we just want to win on Saturdays and, and get off my yard, you know. So just want to make sure we're clear about that. But, no, this whole thing, it just keeps going on and on and on. It's, I mean, it just, you know, it just makes you wonder, I mean, Ohio State, you know, how do you overcome this? How do you overcome the recruiting aspect of this? You know, how do you feel good if you're a parent sending your child to that school? Uh, you know, if, unless you just think, okay, it's a football factory, who cares? This is a business. We really don't care what you do. And just get my kid to the NFL. And that's some of the negative, you know, some of the negative recruiting that's going to go against them. But it just gets more and more sad all the time. And, and you know, the cover-up, obviously, that's gone on in a university with no spine. And, and quite frankly, too, pressure from boosters. You think they want to buy out Urban Meyer, you know, and that money in that contract? No, they want to win on Saturdays, and that's all they care about. And it's like yeah, most college programs. You know how it is. They wouldn't have to buy him out. I mean, there's plenty of evidence in that investigation. They could have fired him for cause, and I think probably should have fired him for cause. Let's pivot into the uh, NFL. 
It's the opening day of college football. We're going to talk with Joel Klatt, by the way, in hour three about all of that. Um, but let's pivot into the NFL. Um, what to you was a bigger story? Uh, Teddy Bridgewater going to the Saints or the Jets effectively turning the page and saying, it looks like Sam Darnold is going to be our guy potentially at week one, which is a bigger story. Oh, the Teddy Bridgewater trade by far. And it's not from a Jets standpoint. It's from a Saints standpoint. I mean, Clay, this is it for Drew Brees, right? I mean, this is it. Let's say, let's enjoy the swan song. Well, let's, you know, think, live not for the memories. We get some Sarah McLaughlin here and we can uh, sit back and look at it like that because Drew Brees is done. In my mind, this is it. This is, we're going to, we're going to have one more season of Drew Brees and then it's Teddy Bridgewater's team. If Teddy Bridgewater, number one, looks like Teddy Bridgewater has this preseason once again and I just think Drew Brees is done. You don't make this trade otherwise. It's not like the Saints were in the market for a backup quarterback this offseason, okay? You know what I mean? They, they haven't been in the market for a backup quarterback of any consequence in a long period of time. You know, they, they were more than content with Luke McCown as their backup quarterback year after year after year and, and they've gone on the cheap there because Drew Brees is making so much money and they've had so many other salary cap concerns. This is a move for 2019 and beyond. Get Teddy Bridgewater in your building. Get him working with your wide receivers. Get him learning this offense so that when Drew Brees rides off into the sunset, you've got someone there that's ready to replace him. I mean, look, Drew Brees could always, I guess, try to play in 2019. But, I mean, you just read the tea leaves here in this one. And just I think this is it for Drew. And and he'll go out having set the NFL's all-time passing record. That's going to happen in about week five. But, you know, the Saints like what they saw in Teddy Bridgewater, and he is the heir apparent now to Drew Brees. You know, Sam Darnold will become the youngest starting quarterback in NFL history on week one, at least since the 1970 merger at at 21 years, 97 days. Uh, That's his age by the time that the Jets open their regular season. So, you know, good luck because I think the team is terrible around him. But, you know, the Jets have put themselves in an interesting position here. Can they make a legitimate run? run at trying to get Khalil Mack away from the Oakland Raiders and then sign him to a long-term contract. They've got a lot of cash available. They do have a serious need on the pass rush. You know, as for Aaron Rodgers, we knew the deal was getting done. I mean, just, you know, the, you know you, you know how the insider business works, right? Agent leaks out something. Oh, there's going to be this innovative contract, and we're trying to reinvent the wheel and be able to renegotiate as we go along. And, you know, it gets reported because that's the nature of the insider. you got a lapdog for the agent. I get all that. I mean, remember all that talk a couple months ago? Yeah, right. Standard contract. It's great money. You know, don't get me wrong. It's the highest paid contract in NFL history, and kudos to Aaron Rodgers. But we expected that. I mean, it was just hard to imagine. You don't want to. You don't want to piss the Aaron Rodgers going into the 2019 NFL or 2018 NFL season. So two years left on his deal. The thing that'll be interesting to me, Clay, is four years from now. Uh, you know, when we're talking about this same topic, did the Packers again redo his contract? Because now that's become the norm. Two years left on Aaron's deal, they redo it. Well. Aaron Rodgers is going to be about 38 years old at that time. And is he still going to be in one piece, by the way, because Aaron was sacked 22 times in six games last year. That doesn't count the Anthony Barr hit. People forget he's taken a beating. Are the Packers going to be able to keep him on the field for all 16 games? Huge part of Mike McCarthy's future, whether he keeps that HC job. A lot of info there. Alex Marvez always brings us a lot of info. I want to go back to the part there about Drew Brees, because Drew Brees has said, oh, I want to play until I'm 45 years old. Mm -hmm. You think he's just going to voluntarily hang up the pads, hang up the sneakers at the end of this season, or do you think he's going to go somewhere else as a free agent? I don't know if he ever leaves. The Saints, he may just, he may have to retire because the Saints don't want him. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, this is a very pivotal year. Look, if he have you seen? Look, yeah, so that's a good question. Have you seen his skills markedly decline? Because I look, I'm far from an X's and O's expert, but it seems like to me the addition of Alvin Kamara 
and bringing in a big-time new offensive weapon like the Saints have there, comparing him and adding him uh, to that offense, which was already explosive, gave them a new dynamic. And I actually thought that Breeze looked revitalized and re-energized last year with the Saints because they've been an 8-8, eight 7-9 eight, and nine type team, it felt like, every year since they won the Super Bowl. Um, and now suddenly they, they look, they should have beaten the Vikings. I mean, and, and easily I think they could have beaten the Eagles if they had gotten into that game. Who knows what would have happened. But this looked like a team that was capable of contending for a Super Bowl. It seems surprising to me that Breeze would ride off into the sunset when the team is still pretty good. Well, and we'll see how this plays out. Look, you're not you're not cutting Drew Brees if he's winning a Super Bowl, okay? And and he's playing at an extremely high level, and I think that he may. But we need to monitor. Okay, number one, you know, look, play. You know how it goes for quarterbacks? How quick it is, right? I mean, you blink your eyes, and all of a sudden, Dan Marino's 76 years old. You know, you see how it was with Brett Favre in his final season with the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, we need to see this. And I think that there, you know, look, I'm not saying that there is concern in the Saints organization about this, but they may feel that the end is coming for Drew Brees. It's one of the things that may have contributed to this trade because they see, is Drew still going to be the same guy? And look, you can support surround him with a great supporting cast, and I get that, but I think that this type of move indicates I, I don't know how Drew Brees plays beyond this year. And listen, Drew's going to say, do you think Drew wants to spend the entire season answering retirement questions? You know what I mean? And most players want to play till they're 45 anyway. And he keeps himself in great shape, but Drew Brees has a life outside of football. He has a burgeoning business empire. He may have political aspirations as well. Uh, because of, of the fact that, you know, he's so beloved in the area, and, and he's a guy that's really involved in so many different things. He's got a growing family. You know, kids are getting older, and there's such a commitment that you have to have to the game. I know that he loves it, but I'm just saying I really think this may be the end for Drew Brees. You know, I started thinking that about three weeks ago when at the beginning of the preseason he has his family out there on the field. They're taking that photo together. You just have to think if Drew's going to go out, go out on top, setting records, doing great things, and then we'll see from there. But I think there's a pivotal season for Drew Brees' future with the Saints. I used to I look I wouldn't have said this six months ago, but then the Teddy Bridgewater trade happened. You don't do this in a vacuum. You don't trade a third round pick for this guy without something looking ahead toward twenty nineteen and beyond. No, I agree with that. That's why I was so surprised of all the teams to make this move that it was the Saints. We're talking to Alex Marvez. You can follow him on Twitter at Alex Marvez. Let's hit on this Browns insider trading story for a minute. This is the first, I'm going to be honest, this is the first criminal charge that I've ever seen brought in athletics where I was actually more impressed by the guy who was charged with the crime than I was before, right? I mean, I've read this and I was like, wow, he's insider trading and then I, and then he's basically admitted to it on Twitter, which seems crazy to me too. Like, uh, you know, more power to him for admitting to his uh, transgressions. But usually when you see a guy charged with a crime, the first thing he says is, I didn't do it. He posts on Twitter, yeah, basically I did it, this is my bad. And then he gets released. What's the story here? Well, story, I mean, and the Browns said it in an interesting statement last night by John Dorsey that they knew there was something going on, but initially Michael Kendricks presented himself, it appears, as the victim of insider trading. You know, and I don't know how clear he was on all this, but, you know, ended up, you know, telling the Browns this, so they go ahead and make the commitment to sign him. I would imagine, Clay, that I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns go ahead and try to reclaim $500,000 in signing bonus that he was already given by the Browns as part of the one-year $2.25 million contract contract that Michael Kendrick signed. And, you know, it's weird because it's, it's not it, – there's a line in the NFL's code of conduct about this when it comes to Michael Kendricks and potential sanctions, things like that, about, you know, NFL discipline 
and keeping him off. You know, it's especially tough for the Browns, and it's embarrassing because now Jimmy Haslam gets to hear about you know the Flying J situation and all. Well, the I do think stuff. it's I do, I do think it's amazing that Jimmy Haslam of all the t- of all the team owners, given and you just hit on it, right. his investigation imp- into impropriety surrounding uh, the team the the uh, the company that he ran, the pilot Flying J, and then to have of all the things that a guy could do on an NFL franchise an insider trading charge you're like what in the world of all the franchises it could happen at too i know and you know the, and listen john dorsey says they vetted him they talked to the nfl they asked their investigators they said what's going on with this and nobody came up with anything and then obviously the you know the, the federal trade commission comes up with these charges on him and, and you know you read about it and it's it's small potatoes for a player like michael kendricks that's the thing that's so crazy about this this is a guy who's made 20.4 million dollars in base salary and you know nfl football salary i should say during his NFL career, he made $1.2 million off of this. And now he faces, you know, what, what some people, you know, it's a longer jail sentence, I would imagine, uh, with his attorneys and, and being Michael Kendricks and the possibility for redemption and being a role model, blah, 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 you know, may not, may end up serving, you know, some have speculated eight months to a year uh, in, in jail and some of that split between house arrest, et cetera. So, you know, whether Michael Kendricks plays football again and is able to recoup some of his losses, I don't know, but... You know, the, the temptation was too great for him to apparently resist about cashing in and using these insider stock tips as illegal as they were to go. But it, it's an interesting one. You know, maybe, but, you know, maybe the NFL should feel good. Maybe their financial education classes are truly sinking in and we won't have a generation of broke players. Yeah, this is a crazy <laughs> story. This is a really crazy story in and of itself. Uh, what else to you is out there jumping around? We hit on a lot of these big stories already. What should, I mean, it's the final Thursday of the NFL preseason. It doesn't appear that most of the you know starters are going to play that much in the Thursday night action. So we've obviously had some injuries, but we haven't had what I would call like high, high profile injuries by and large, right? The quarterbacks have all stayed healthy. Yeah, uh, so far, most of the uh, the best players have stayed healthy. Um, have what do you think we should be paying attention to as we turn the page into the regular season? Well, just real quick tonight, I want to see Baker Mayfield play some, and he is going to get the start for the Browns. So it'll be interesting to watch him and his continued NFL development. And, you know, it was fun to watch him last week in, in spot action when Terod Taylor ended up getting hurt. And then Hugh Jackson, in his infinite wisdom, throws his starting quarterback back in the game with a dislocated pinky. For whatever reasons, I don't know. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, the Buffalo quarterback situation, I'm keeping a close eye on that. When Will it become official that, that Josh Allen starts? I mean, you saw that game against the Bengals last Sunday. Maybe Clay. I hope you didn't. I hope you actually have a life. Uh, he got yeah. He got beaten up a lot in that game. Oh, he got destroyed. And then you know what ended up happening while he was getting destroyed? Bad habits come back. You know, and you could see him just you know the, the mechanics start to break down. He's throwing the football a zillion miles an hour again, and an uncatchable ball that you know that that just Josh Allen can't throw in this league. So if you're the Bills, you're about to play the Baltimore Ravens on the road in Week One. You're Sean McDermott. You're saying, okay, am I putting this kid out there? and giving us a very little chance to win, but I'm going to develop him? Or do I put Nate Peterman out there, hope he doesn't throw another five interceptions like he did in the first half against the Chargers last year, and give us a chance to win this game? I, when we look at teams that I think are, are set to make the most precipitous fall from 2017 to 2018, the Buffalo Bills are right at the top of my list. Do you think they'll start Josh Allen week one? Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. I, I don't know. And I think maybe this game tonight will have something to do with it. If you do, I mean, you're, you're asking for trouble, potentially. I, I don't see Josh Allen lighting up the Baltimore Ravens. And part of the problem that Josh Allen has, too, who are his wide receivers? This is a terrible group. 
You know, they've done a very poor job assembling talent around him. The good news is Shady McCoy should be back for the season opener. He changes the, the complexion of the offense because teams, you know, have to put maybe an extra guy in the box sometime to try to stop him. But this is a bad Bills team. And the question is, do you think that Josh Allen can get better taking his lumps, so to speak, or is it better that someone else takes those lumps, Josh Allen watches him take the lumps, and then ultimately takes him himself, but later on in the year? What about Josh Rosen and that Arizona job? Um, the the preseason week three seems to be a little bit of a mess. What are you hearing out there? So it's possible Josh Allen could start week one. It appears that Sam Darnold is going to start week one. Tyrod Taylor appears to have beaten out Baker Mayfield, at least for now. Uh, Lamar Jackson has never been in the uh, equation at all as a starter. Joe Flacco, very comfortable there. What's going to happen in Arizona? I think Josh Rosen went from a guy we talked about as having potential starter buzz, you know, you know, earlier on this uh, off season to someone now who is going to be the number three quarterback when the season begins in Arizona. I would imagine Mike Glennon is going to be ahead of him. I'm not sure if they've seen enough of Josh. It was unfortunate he banged his thumb on a helmet and he was held out of the the, uh, the game against the Cowboys this past week. And uh, Josh and, and my partner on SiriusXM, Gil Brandt, have a very close relationship. Josh said. I think I can play Thursday. You know, this was when Gil talked to him on on Sunday, and the Cardinals are still shutting him down. So the fact that he doesn't get these valuable snaps in the preseason, this isn't Carson Wentz, you know what I mean, where you don't need to play in the preseason and the magic's happening on the practice field. So I think they go into the season, Bradford won, wait till he gets hurt, so I guess the first quarter of the first game, and then you go to Mike Lennon potentially, and Rosen takes the field at some point. But, uh, you know, it, it, he's had his moments. You know, like initially, look, he was swimming. I, when I talked to him the first week he was there, he was he was in over his head and he was in awe of Sam Bradford and how fluid he is and how he masters the offense and knowing all the checks and where everybody is on the field. And, you know, it'll tell you, it doesn't mean Josh Rosen's not going to have a great NFL career. He's like a lot of other rookies. He's just trying to learn the game and learn a new offense that's different from what he ran in college. So, uh, you know, I think that having Mike Lennon there is actually going to turn out to be beneficial as long as we don't have to have him play. But you get my point. And a Cardinals team that, you know, they're they're like in the in the middle. You know what I mean? You have blue chip guys, you know, Larry Fitzgerald still a very good player. Patrick Peterson, arguably the best cornerback in football. Chandler Jones, the reigning sack leader. David Johnson. I mean, those four guys right there, Clay, I mean, those, those are four of the very best, if not the best, at their positions. And then you look around them and you just sort of scratch your head a little bit and say, how's this team going to win? So I, I just that's one of those weird deals for them. If Sam Bradford stays healthy, this team can contend for a playoff spot. I really believe it. If he can't, good luck with all that, and Josh Rosen will be on the field sooner than later. We'll talk to you next week, and it will be officially NFL kickoff week. He's Alex Marvez, Sirius XM, joins us weekly. I appreciate the time, my man. Thank you, brother. Be good. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I had a bullet and disrespect to my face. Sam, you have a what? This is Animal Thunderdome. Couple of crazy stories for you here. Amanda Smith Hayes, a North Carolina woman. This is an unbelievable story. She killed her husband's ex-wife. They then dismembered the body, and they attempted to feed the body to alligators in Texas. This is ridiculous. Uh, Once in Texas, 
the couple first tried to use acid to destroy the body. This is like a Breaking Bad move, if you've seen Breaking Bad. Uh, But, you know, if there's the great... Well, I think probably Breaking Bad's been on long enough where I can say this. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert if you're now years behind catching up on Breaking Bad. But remember when they tried to dispose of the body and in Breaking Bad's an unbelievable scene. The toilet, I mean, sorry, the the, the tub comes through from the (laughs) The ceiling and falls all the way through. That's an unbelievable story. So that didn't work. They then went to a alligator-infested area. They took a boat into the into this area of Texas and dumped this woman's body parts into the water with hopes alligators would eat her remains. I, I, I that's a borderline animal Thunderdome story. <laughs> but I think when you kill someone and try to feed the remains to an alligator, is that a fair al- alligator? I mean, that's an animal Thunderdome story, right? I guess in the psychopath department. Yeah, this is also in the psychopath department, and it's not going to kill some of the crazy, zany stories. A West Virginia man has been arrested, all right? I start with that story. There's a lot of different directions it can go. What was he arrested for? He had 17 rattlesnakes that he was keeping in his house. Yeah, I saw the photos of this. Oh, Oh, this thing, I'm telling you, has got me already with pinpricks (laughs) on my arms. Uh, This is an unbelievable story all around. A West Virginia man was arrested after officials with the state's uh, Natural Resources Police discovered he had been catching rattlesnakes Mm -hmm. and keeping them at his home. Uh, The investigation was sparked after officials received information about illegal rattlesnake possession, eventually leading them to the man's home where they found 17 rattlesnakes in one home. The man who has not yet been identified was charged with two counts of illegal possession of a timber rattlesnake and possession of a rattlesnake less than 42 inches. And this is an unbelievable law. Only in West Virginia could this law exist. In West Virginia, residents can only have one rattlesnake. (laughs) There's an actual law that they had to pass in West Virginia to limit residents to only one rattlesnake. Uh, and, uh, so this must, this must have been a common thing then. I, I can't believe this, that they have a law. This is a real evidence. According to this article, in West Virginia, residents can only have one rattlesnake, and it must be at least 42 inches in length. Uh, the size limit was put in place to ensure, quote, a steady supply <laughs> of breeding-age females as female timber rattlesnakes are typically smaller than males. No, 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 no. So whose job is it to go over to the home? And measure the rattlesnakes? Yeah. Think about this for a minute. Why did they have to pass a law in West Virginia to say you could only have one rattlesnake? How many people in the state of West Virginia were having multiple rattlesnakes like this guy? When I saw this story, I thought, okay, 17 rattlesnakes, this is crazy. And then I think the craziest part of the story is that there is a law in West Virginia that people can only keep one rattlesnake. Oh, and these pictures of these rattlesnakes in this guy's house. I mean, it just is absolutely chilling. I would lose my mind. Can you imagine Mm -mm. if you were dating somebody (laughs) and she was like, we got to go visit my dad's house (laughs) and you walked in and the dad had 70. I would, I would, like, I would, I I wouldn't even, I guarantee it's like a double wide. I wouldn't even walk into that (laughs) double wide. Clay, I know you like money. So here's the, the question. How much would it take for you to spend the night in a bedroom with those 17 snakes with the lights out? Would not happen. 
There is a no I'm amount. Telling you, there's not a dollar. I'm, I'm telling you this right now. Aaron Rodgers, thirty-three million dollars. There is well, if it's Aaron Rodgers, thirty-three million, then I am sitting like on a lifeguard stand chair, <laughs> no. and I no, will you have just to be stay- on the floor. No, I'm not sitting on the floor. In a dark room with 17 rattlesnakes in cages, I wouldn't do it. I don't think I would do it for $33 million. I mean, I'm not even kidding wow. about that. I think we, I, we I, found your biggest phobia, I think. I am I am so anti-snakes. I mean, I would sit in a lifeguard chair, you know, like a lifeguard stand where I feel pretty good. I would just sit there all night long and stay up all night. Yeah, that's not and, worth $33 million. Well, I would do that. I would not. I, I have nightmares now about snakes in the bed, snakes ever like uh, 17 snakes, 17 rattlesnakes. Uh, I, I just, oh, man, I'm just like getting the chill bumps thinking about it. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Say you're a wide receiver in the NFL, and I know that's a stretch because as we found out on the show last season, you're actually a defensive back. Yeah, I could make every play that needed to be made. <laughs> you would have stopped the Minnesota Miracle. Stephon Diggs would not have scored on me. <laughs> okay. If I so, had been a defensive back in that game. So it's a stretch that you're a wide receiver, but let's just say you're a all-pro wide receiver in the NFL. And you just found out Aaron Rodgers signed a $33 million a year contract. Are you telling me, Clay, that $20 million is too much for you? There's no wide receiver in the NFL worth $20 million. But that's a $13 million gap. That's because the difference between an NFL quarterback and an NFL wide receiver is more than $13 million. More than, the, how, the, So how much more? Oh, I think that Aaron Rodgers is still underpaid relative to what he means to the Packers, and I think that Odell Beckham Jr. is overpaid relative to what he means to the Giants. Look, the NFL position, my opinion, the NFL quarterback position is so much more important than any other position on the field or any other position on the court or any other position in all of sports that you cannot pay a top quarterback too much. And I think Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. And to me, this is a story that doesn't get enough attention. Aaron Rodgers, who is the best receiver that he has ever thrown to? Jordy Nelson? Probably or Randall Cobb. Okay. Or, or, yeah, but Rand, I mean, look, and I Jordy oh, Nelson I, probably Jordy one. Nelson. Yeah. Let's say is the best. Greg Jennings. Okay. Yeah. Not an NFL caliber Hall of Famer, right? I mean, like Jordy Nelson is nowhere near a Hall of Fame level wide receiver. You would agree. I think everybody out there listening would agree. Yet Aaron Rodgers has still been capable of putting up some of the most amazing numbers we've ever seen. Okay, who's the second most accomplished quarterback? The most accomplished quarterback right now, but certainly a top five guy. He's 41 years old. Who is the best wide receiver that Tom Brady has ever thrown to that he has put into the Hall of Fame? Maybe Rob Gronkowski, if you want to count a tight end as a wide receiver, right? As a, as a downfield passing threat. Rob Gronkowski, I think, will be a Hall of Famer. He threw to Randy Moss, but Randy yeah. Moss would have been a Hall of Famer even if he had never gone to New England, right? So Tom Brady in his entire career has never had a Hall of Fame caliber wide receiver that he has thrown to. In fact, if you drop Randy Moss off the list, how many years was Moss in New England? Two years? Yeah. Okay, so you take those two years off the equation. Who's the best wide receiver that Tom Brady has ever thrown to? Wes Welker? Okay. Uh, yeah. I, That's mean, a pr- I mean, okay. Yeah, but you're Wes talking Welker, Julian elite. Edelman. All right, let's keep the, going. The two, Hold on. Let's okay. keep going. All right. 
Okay, so the two two of the best, I think, probably one and two, if you're being honest, in the NFL right now, in my opinion, are Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Top five guy as well, Drew Brees, first ballot Hall of Famer beyond a shadow of a doubt. Who is the best player that Drew Brees has ever thrown to in New, in, in, uh, New Orleans? Jimmy Graham? Yeah, uh, Michael Thomas. Marquez Colston? Yeah. Well, Michael right, Michael, those... Michael Thomas is going to get the next big payday as far as wide receivers go in the NFL. And my argument would be that Drew Brees is making him a lot more money. But anyway, none of those guys are NFL Hall of Famers, right? Okay, but Odell right. Beckham Jr. is a game changer, as All Jeff right, Shorts pointed out yesterday. A different, different category of no, receiver. Let's keep, let's keep running through. Uh, Phillip Rivers is going to be, I think, an NFL Hall of Famer. Right? I'm going with guys who have been in the league a long time. Best player he's ever thrown to, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is Antonio Gates. Who's the best wide receiver that Philip Rivers has ever thrown to? Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. He's, I mean, yeah. That if you have to, if you have to, his receivers get hurt before yeah, the season's every year. Over. All right. Yeah. So Antonio Gates, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is I think a Hall of Famer. Probably. I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but when I'm just I, to me, when I say Hall of Fame, I think yes or no, and I can just think of it based on how their career strikes me overall. I think Antonio Gates, beyond a shadow of a doubt, will be a Hall of Famer. I don't have his stats in front of me, but again, no wide receiver that Philip Rivers has ever thrown to that makes you think about it. Yeah, Eli probably Manning, Vincent pre- Jackson, Malcolm Floyd, maybe. All right, all right points made. Uh, let's go to Eli Manning, who has two Super Bowls. All right, two Super Bowls long before Odell Beckham Jr. Who is the best wide receiver that Eli Manning threw to on those teams? Mario Manningham, uh, Amani Toomer, David Tyree. I'm just David kidding. David Tyree. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, all right, you uh, look start, at, yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I get your point, okay, but it's so still, these are all, that doesn't right, that on. doesn't prove still the going. point. Still going. Ben no, Roth, you don't need to. Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, I want to keep going. Ben Roethlisberger. You're arguing the wrong two, thing, though. Ben Roethlisberger won two Super Bowls. Who's the best wide receiver that he threw to? Santonio Holmes? You're arguing the wrong all right. thing. Let's go to Russell Wilson. How Russell many Wilson wins is Odell Beckham Jr. worth? Not many. That's my point. Russell Wilson should have won two Super Bowls if they had just run the ball. They had Marshawn Lynch. All right, you can say that. But who's the best receiver that he threw to? Doug Baldwin? You're dissing all wide receivers. All right now, of Clay. these guys, I just ran through I all of the guys who have won back. Super Bowls. The only guy <laughs> you still wouldn't have you stopped Stephon Diggs to. though. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Joel Clad, I want to start you with this question, even though it's not directly related to college football. You have a choice. You can get Blake Bortles with Odell Beckham Jr. and Antonio Brown as your wide receiver core. Or you can get Aaron Rodgers with two journeyman wide receivers. Which would you prefer if you were a GM? Rodgers with two journeyman wide receivers every day of the week and twice on Sunday, and not even close. Right? I mean, and you played quarterback, and that, we were just having this discussion about Odell Beckham Jr., and you'd probably uh, enjoy it too. My argument is, other than maybe Randy Moss with Dante Culpepper, I'm not sure there has ever been a wide receiver who has made a quarterback at a high well, level in the last 20 years. Like, who would you point to and say that wide receiver has made this quarterback? Well, see, I, I would make a different argument. Um, because a great wide receiver can certainly increase the productivity of, of a quarterback. No right? doubt. Now, you're making the yes. argument like make the player. Yes. And, and I understand that. But let let me t- take it a, to a different angle. 
name a Super Bowl champion whose best player was a wide receiver. That is a great. That is a great. That's a great question. You I can't. Yeah, you can't. I do can't it. think and, of one. And, and, here's the, and here's the reason why is because the the only generally the only player that they'll say is well Jerry Rice was San Francisco. And, and my contention is, well, yeah, Jerry Rice was the greatest wide receiver of all time, but he wasn't even the best player on his team. Yeah. Joe Montana is considered one of the, the great, you know, I think now with Brady and maybe Elway as, as the three greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game. So You're, you're giving no respect it, to it, Peyton Manning there, but other than that, we're in agreement here. I mean, Man- Manning might not be in the top five, but... That, no, we digress. Just a dagger. Uh, what game, by the way, do you have tonight? You've got Oklahoma State? Yeah, Oklahoma State, Missouri State, and then FAU Oklahoma on Saturday. Um, and then, uh, okay, that's that's an amazing game. I'll be watching the FAU Oklahoma game for sure. Uh, you are a college football junkie like I am. How glad are you to finally have? we got all five major conferences in action tonight. you got a top 25 team in UCF. How excited are you to have the season back? I mean, I could not be more excited. There has not been a longer month in the college football universe, <laughs> maybe ever, and I'm sure that that's hyperbole, but my goodness. I mean, here I love college football because I love the, the purity of the sport, right? The pageantry of the, of the Saturdays, the passion of the fan base, and, and the purity of the, of the players on the field. I mean, I mean, it's, and, and what we've gone through in the last month is just, oh my gosh, it's like beat your head against a brick wall. Um, I, I can't stand talking about the adults in the room in college football. I'd much rather talk about the young men playing the sport. Um, and, and I can't wait to start doing that tonight. Who's your college football playoff four? I think I saw you tweet it out. I'll tell you my four. You can tell me why you disagree. I've got Bama. I've got Clemson, which I think most people do. I bet you do too. Then I've yeah. got Penn State. Uh, I think the Big Ten is going to be a little bit more messy than it has been before, and so I went with a little bit of an outlier there. Uh, and then I've got Auburn. I think Auburn's going to beat Washington in the biggest, most significant game, I think, of opening weekend. What have you got? What do you think about the biggest games? Well, you're, you're right on a few things that you said and then very wrong about a, a few others, which is pretty typical for you. So <laughs> the first thing is Bama and, uh, and Clemson are, are yes. I think everyone has them, and, and as they should. I mean, that's what the, those programs have proven to be. I think Clemson might have one of the best and most dominant defensive lines that we've ever seen in college football, and Bama has proven that it doesn't matter what coordinator combination, it doesn't matter what quarterback combination that they have, they're going to be dominant, and quite frankly, this year their schedule is not even close to as difficult as it has been in the past, in particular with LSU going downhill uh, the way that they have in, in, in the last couple of years. Now, having said that, Penn State and Auburn. First of all, let's go to Auburn. I, I think Auburn is really good on defense, Clay, and I think they're going to struggle on offense. They're replacing four offensive linemen. They're going to struggle at the wide receiver position. I think Jared Stidham's a really good player, but this program and Auburn is like the ultimate tent revival of college football. Like they just pop up every now and again, and who knows when and where. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's Gus a Malzahn good analogy of Auburn. I mean, in all honesty, they, they really are. Malzahn in the last three seasons prior to last year was eleven and thirteen in SEC play. I mean, he was going to get run out of town. Remember, the, remember when they dropped? What was it like a twenty point lead last year to LSU early? Oh, I, mean, I remember. He was all but fired. He was all but fired, and now all of a sudden he's got the extension, $40-plus million. 
and everyone says, well, you know, they're going to go back to the playoff. I, I disagree. Name a year in which they had to play Alabama and Georgia on the road where they were good. You can't do it. You can't do it. So well, that, I disagree that... with Auburn. And, and then Penn State, real quick, I just the only thing I'm concerned about with Penn State is that they lose so much, in particular their coordinator, Joe Moorhead, Barkley, Mike Kosicki, Deshaun Hamilton, both defensive tackles, the linebacker, Jason Cabinda, Marcus Allen, and the all-conference safety. That's a lot to try to overcome, even with your quarterback back. I believe that Auburn won the national championship going to Alabama. I know they won on the road against Alabama with Cam Newton. I think they might have also been on the road between the hedges in Athens that year. This is off the top of my head. I think. Okay, I know they right. were on, you might be right. I know they were on the road because they had to come back and the Alabama fans like dropped all the, you know, said played son of a preacher man and threw all the money on the head for Cam Newton when he ran on the field. So I was at that game in Tuscaloosa. I can't remember whether they were in Athens that year, but if the year set up, I think they might have been. So that would be your answer. But certainly Jared Stidham, as good as he's going to be, is not Cam Newton in that year, which is one of the greatest single seasons. I've ever seen in college football history. It was, it was uh, one of the great tent revival seasons ever. <laughs> All right, so of this opening weekend games, you you were breaking down Auburn and Washington. What do you think is going to happen to Michigan-Notre Dame? You've watched Michigan play a lot. You've watched Jim Harbaugh. I contend that Michigan is – I'm not sold on Shea Patterson. All right, When you look at the data of what Shea Patterson did at Ole Miss, I think he's a very good player – but he mostly ran up huge numbers against not very good opponents. He's going on the road, first game against Notre Dame. Tough situation, massive game. What happens there? Well, I, this is going to be the best team that he's he's been the quarterback of and the best system that he's been a quarterback in because the Michigan system, it doesn't require you to be a great player. It, it requires you to just make the plays that are set before you and and made for you via the system. And I think he can do that better than most of the quarterbacks that Harbaugh has had at Michigan. I think Michigan's the better team than Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame could struggle this year based on the fact that last year they were such a heavy run team, top 10 in the country running the football, and they lose their running back and two linemen that were dominant offensive linemen. Quentin Nelson, the guard, was one of the best players in the draft. It's, it's hard to replace that. Now, Notre Dame is a good team. I just I don't quite see it the way that some others see it. I think Michigan is a team that could win their division, win the Big Ten, and potentially go to the playoff. Um, and, and so I've got Michigan in that game. I think, I think Michigan is going to have a top-five defense. They can always run the rock. And now with the quarterback and some better players on the wide receiver core, I think Michigan could be very dangerous, very dangerous. This stat's going to blow your mind. You know what Jim Harbaugh's record would be in his last 16 games if they lose to uh, Notre Dame? In his last 16, he would be, let's see, they lost the last three, eight and eight. That's exactly right. You got it because you're on top of things with college football. I bet there are a lot of people listening to us right now that are like, holy cow. And I'm going to put that eight and eight into context for you. Nick Saban has lost eight games in the last six years. I mean, Saban's the the numbers with Saban are insane, and I don't know if you've seen or not, but I've I've had to yell at Skip Bayless. Oh, I for, I saw that Skip Bayless tried to argue that Harbaugh was a more accomplished coach than Nick Saban. I think Cowherd even jumped in and made the same argument. Yeah, he he tried, and the problem with that is that the only way that you can do that is that if you you bring their NFL record Correct. into play. And so if you want to have that discussion, I think it's probably more of a discussion. I think Saban still wins just because of the dominance that he has 
um, uh, coach Swiss at the college level. But if you just think about it this way, it, it kind of puts everything in, into a moot point. Since Saban signed his contract to be the Alabama head coach, he's won five national championships. The field, the rest of the country, has won five as well. No other I mean, team has won more than stat. one. LSU yeah. has won a championship. Clemson has won a championship. Ohio State has won a championship. Auburn and Florida, uh, uh, Ohio, Florida State. Those are the five. So are you? Yeah, that's an amazing stat. Um, Jimbo Fisher starts tonight as well. What do you think he's going to do with all the pressure of the seventy-five million dollar contract at Texas A&M? I hope he succeeds. I think Jimbo is 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 a good coach. I don't know if I would call him a great coach. Some would bristle at that because he's one of the four guys that has a national championship. But, Clay, when he doesn't have an alpha at quarterback like Jameis Winston, they're, they're not great. You know, I mean, that, that's the mark to me of a great coach. Can you take several different styles of team? Can you take a team that doesn't have a great quarterback and be successful with them? That's why I think Harbaugh is a better coach than people give him credit for because he took a player like Jake Rudock and won 10 games. He took a quarterback like Wilton Spate and won 10 games. That can be difficult to do. Now, Jimbo won 10 games with Everett Golson, but you could argue that the, the roster was, was incredible. Um, uh, we'll see what he does at Texas A&M. I'm actually more concerned about Texas A&M just period than I am Jimbo Fisher. And the reason I say that is because they kind of have been who they have been throughout the years. Um, they have a, a very inflated view of themselves, and particularly that fan base. And the reason why, Clay, is that the data suggests, and I'm a, listen, you know me, I try to go where the data points. The data suggests that they are exactly what they were in the Big 12. In their last four seasons in the Big 12, they were 15 and 19 in conference play. In their last four seasons in the SEC, they're 15 and 17 in conference play. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? 
backroom deals, huge amounts of money, CIA secrets, sets off a firestorm in Washington, affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN.